Global Soccer Podcast. My name is Borio Udemi, and surprise, surprise, we have Justin McCabe back and also Manny Ramirez. Uh, thank you guys for joining. Um, today, our topics include, unfortunately, uh, the racism incidents that have been happen happening over social media. Uh, we'll also talk about Liverpool's abysmal display and also give our view on the top six results in the EPL. Uh, Champions League is back, so we're going to be talking about Champions League. And um, as usual, we're going to talk about the yellow card, red card segment. And also, finally, my favorite segment of the show, which is the random fact of the episode. Uh, but before I start, uh, I'm sure as we all heard, uh, Bayern Munich became the second team in history to complete six trophies in the season, which is just amazing. I, I can't believe it. Uh, and I think at this time last year, I thought definitely um, they weren't going to even win the Champions League, but they, they showed us who's boss and uh, uh, congratulations to them. Um, but let's start off with a very shameful event and a series of events that keeps happening and seems like it would never leave. Um, Manny, I want to ask you about this and then just kind of get your thoughts on, on what's going on right now uh, when it comes to all the trolls and people that are uh, being very bad and naughty and, and talking about and, and basically just racially profiling uh, players of color. Uh, Manny, what, what, you got, what you got for us? Yeah, so um, glad to be back, first of all. I hear I'm back by popular demand, so glad <laughs> to be here. Um, and on a serious note, um, you know, we've seen the actual abuse, online abuse, social media platforms of uh, players, and especially players of color. Um, you know, we came out last week and we briefly mentioned it as well, as far as some of the notable figures that have received, um, you know, all sorts of um, horrible messages um, from essentially just trolls out there. And, um, you know, one of the things that has led to is Instagram actually announcing that it's going to impose stricter penalties for racist uh, comments and abuse. Um, I think this is long overdue um, on, you know, social media um, because anybody can just go out there and write whatever, create any account and say whatever they want. Um, I think there has to be some type of control as far as like what can be said. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we forget just because these uh, players are, you know, notable, um, you know, uh, make a lot of money, uh, you know, are very famous. They're still people at the end of the day, right? You know, and, you know, these things that can be said can affect the player um, significantly. You can, you know, can affect them, um, you know, from their performances on the field to off the field and, you know, in their personal lives. Uh, so I, for one, you know, am glad to see that Instagram finally uh, has actually stepped up and said that they're going to be looking into this and taking appropriate action because I think it's long needed. Um, it's long overdue. Yes, it's very shameful. In fact, um, I, and many uh, you and I are people of color. I can't even imagine going through a, a thing like that. I, I don't know how these players are still even able to play um, because I would think it will affect their performance, but. Um, you know, I, I guess they are able to to kind of block that feeling somehow. But I think if it was me, especially, I think I, I would have a I will struggle to kind of keep that emotion. Um, but, I'm, I, you know, Justin, I want to get your opinion about this um, because I know you work for a technology company. 
um, the problem it could be really is it could be just one person, you know, spinning up a bunch of, of robots and, and, and trolling, basically. Um, what do you think maybe some of these technology companies could do to kind of help, you know, mitigate this? Yeah, this, any form of racism, whether it be online, uh, in the stadium, on the street, is completely unacceptable and shameful and disgusting, both for the perpetrator. And then it speaks volumes, I think. It, it paints the whole enterprise of football in a bad light to me. Um, so I, I think there is there basically is no punishment that's too harsh in my mind. Uh, yeah. When you are dehumanizing another person, whether they be a professional athlete, like you said, or anybody, mm-hmm. um, there's no place in, in our society. So from a technology standpoint, I, I'm personally am not really on Instagram, but I mean, the most obvious solution is immediate ban of the account. The account must be banned immediately. Um, well, Instagram, I, these- I think, I think, okay. So, so even if, if they ban it, you know, a troll could still recreate another account and, and, and then come back. So, it, I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, I know, I know you probably don't have the full answer, but I'm just trying to understand what else could be done because we, we can ban and ban and ban, but they will still come back. And that's, that just seems to be the, the tough thing here. Yes, it is. Um, so I think this is kind of a larger conversation about a lot of the social media companies. Um, I think Twitter has begun to like make some intimations about subscription-based modeling is the future that they want to move towards. So there, I, I think there may come a time when you're going to need to tie your account to your personal information in some way, if it's going to be public facing, and if you're going to get a certain number of um, subscribers or followers, I, I think there's that's like you know there's going to be a trigger point where once you get amass a certain number of followers, you're you're going to need a subscription-based account. But uh, that's a bit of a digression from the larger problem of how to stop these trolls, because uh, I don't think the trolls particularly care about subscriber numbers. They just want to put their spew their hate out there in uh, as much volume as possible. So for that answer, I, I'm not sure. Like, you know, like these are clearly not the most intelligent people in the world if they hold these views and this is how they pass their time is saying these noxious, horrible things online. So when they when people do slip up and when they do use their main, uh, their main yeah. account or something like that, then that needs to be a lifetime ban oh, yeah. both from the account. And then there, that's where the partnership with the leagues needs to come in place, both like with the EPL, with the FA rather, and then with... I think with UEFA at large and perhaps even at the FIFA level, like, you know, if you, you know, if you slip up and you put, you broadcast who you are while, while you're saying these terrible things, then you get a lifetime ban from football. You're just, you, you can't attend a game. You're done. Yeah. Uh, you're be, be, get a ban on your social media account and then also be banned from actual in-person attendance at football games. Yep. I think that would definitely, uh, uh, you know, I, I know they can definitely do a lot uh, about that, um, but hey, let's see. I'm, I'm sure this will still be a problem until, you know, these companies take charge. So we hope with, to see change at least in the near future. Uh, but enough of that nonsense. Uh, let's talk uh, exciting stuff, uh, or maybe not exciting for Liverpool because unbelievably they lost 3-1 to Liverpool, uh, to Leicester City. And I, I honestly thought, you know, I thought this was going to be a redemption for Liverpool, 
Um, but it seems like, um, you know, they're still having uh, mental, you know, me mentality issues or mental issues. How, how do you even say it? I'm lost. I'm lost of words. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm struggling here. Um, but Manny, um, can you just, can you just tell us what happened? Like I, I actually didn't even watch the game. Um, but, uh, can you, can you just give us a rundown of what happened? Yeah. So, um, this was actually a great game to watch. Um, you know, whether, I think it's more for the neutral fan base um, more than anything, just because we knew it was uh, two powerhouse teams going at each other. Um, there was obviously that connection with Brendan Rodgers and Liverpool, some of the players and the coaching staff as well. Um, a lot of the changes, obviously, that we've seen on Liverpool's staff as far as, uh, or I'm sorry, on Liverpool's team, such as um, the incorporation in the debut of Kabak, which I think was actually their second signing. Uh, we expected, you know, uh, to see kind of uh, him just joining and hitting the ground running. But as I alluded to last week, you know, they, their form would coincide with how well he would actually incorporate into the team and gel into the team. Um, yeah. I will say Liverpool started off very strong on the front foot. They were dominating um, for the earlier part of the game and actually scored first, you know, and it looked like they were going to, uh, you know, kind of get comfortable. They started to get more comfortable with it, uh, with the possession in their gameplay. But, um, you know, credit to Brendan Rodgers. He actually switched up the formation um, at the halftime. Um, you know, he incorporated more of a 4-4-2 formation with the diamond um, attack. And I think they exploited, uh, you know, the gaps that were being left behind. Um, furthermore, you know, for, I guess, to Liverpool's point, they had another injury, you know, uh, yeah. an additional injury as well. So now, you know, they've had, they've been hit with injuries left and right. They've been hit with COVID, uh, you know, in a condensed season. Um, there's only so much they can do. They need, they really just need time to gel, but they don't have that because they're in pretty much every competition, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, they have the Champions League coming up, um, you know, and uh, it just, I think like as soon as uh, Leicester City scored, that was it. Like they, they were out to they broke down probably. Yeah. I mean, they scored three goals in seven and a half minutes. Uh, wow. When would you ever have seen that against a Liverpool side? When's the last time you actually remember seeing Liverpool look that frail and just fall apart that quickly, you know? All right, Justin. So I'm going to surprise you with this question because I've seen a lot of trolls on Twitter say, you know, Klopp needs to leave or it's time to move on from Klopp which is, I think, a ridiculous thing to say. Are you, are you on that bandwagon or are you on, a, like, let's, let's give Klopp time? Because, I mean, if you really think about it, um, really, he's been dealt with injuries. So uh, what, what would be, as a fan, if this was your situation, which I'm sure it, it is a lot with, with Arsenal, uh, what, what would you advise Liverpool fans to do? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. I can speak from experience here. Um, yeah, I think going to Manny's point, there, there have been times in... Um, the past for Arsenal where you see like you see like there's these stretches of time where um, that first goal from the opposition comes in even if you're up one nil and then the, the, the score goes one one again and those just a collective like kind of shoulder slump it's like an inevitability a little bit um, and that seems to be like where Liverpool is right now I'm not on like you know the clop out bandwagon I'm with you Bori 
Uh, he's too good of a coach and they're Liverpool is just wrapped by too many injuries. Um, they're just having a rough time this season, but I don't think that means that Klopp should leave, but like, you know, like for, I'm going to throw some stats at you, like looking at the game from this weekend, Liverpool, oh. 62% of the possession, uh, 82% pass accuracy compared to Leicester's 69%, you know, wow. dominance in the passing dominance in the, um, I think in shots as well, well, slight advantage in shots, you know, uh, and as Manny said, like they were dominating the game for large stretches of the first half. And the first goal is great. If you saw it, like Firmino's assist was like beautiful. It looked like vintage Liverpool. We've been saying like, yeah, you know, that, 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 that edge, that like, you know, that whip, whip the ball in like one, two, three, like between Mane, Firmino, Salah, like that's been missing a little bit this season. And this first goal was just exactly like that. It was beautiful. And then that first goal from Leicester comes in and then 15 minutes later, 20 minutes later, like it's like a totally different game. The scoreline is like embarrassing to Liverpool. So yep. um, I think there's just that collective, there, there's some something wrong mentally and physically with this team now, as we've been saying for the past few episodes. Yeah, I think it's definitely physical and also mental because, I mean, honestly, I think they've dealt with injuries in the past and they've come out a lot. I mean, this is not the first time uh, BBD has been injured, so I don't think we can really blame it on on just the injuries, but it's definitely a mental thing. Uh, but it looks like uh, our boy uh, Allison Carius, uh, should I say, um, uh, made a, a you know, mistake or something. Yeah, again, you know, this goes back to what I mentioned previously, which is... Um, that inconsistency on the back line, right? Um, you definitely need time, especially goalkeeper, goalkeeper's best friends after the posts behind him are the center backs, are the defenders in front of them. And this being Kabak's debut, going into a game against Leicester City, who's in really great form. I mean, I must say, I think uh, they've only lost one game in, uh, I think I want to say like the last like six matches or something like that. And that's, that's with some uh, injuries to Vardy. Exactly. And a few other players as well. Yeah. They, you see uh, them stepping up um, again, you know, we saw um, in one of the goals, just the miscommunication. Um, there was, there's not that trust um, established yet between Allison and, you know, Kabak and whoever's playing next to him, you know, it's, it takes time to develop that rapport. And we saw early on in the game as well, you know, the, the few chances that that Leicester city had created, Allison looked completely shaky, uh, just uncomfortable back there, you know? Um, and I think it culminated uh, with that, with that second goal, I believe it was where uh, he ran into his own defender. Like he came out on a, you know, on a pass that, that was over um, the midfield line and, you know, Allison came out and maybe, you know, Kabak didn't hear him, but they ran into each other and that left Vardy completely alone to pretty much just walk it in. Um, so again, I think inconsistency is on the back line. It's going to take time and Liverpool don't have time. Yeah, unfortunately, but let's move on to Manchester City. Manchester City played Spurs and, uh, you know, I love Mourinho, but I I'm sad to see Spurs just dwindle down. Um, but my first question uh, here is, is really not even about the game. It's about Spurs uh, exactly. Um, so it, is Mourinho in trouble? Like, is there an issue here with Mourinho? Look, whose fault is it that Spurs are playing this bad? I think Mourinho is certainly a little culpable here. Um, 
it's so it hasn't gone bad enough that like you know I, I was gonna make a joke like oh we have a surprise guest it's it's third season Mourinho he got here early uh he has a you know he's famous for you know not overstaying his welcome very quickly at teams and at least his past few tenures at Chelsea and uh, Manchester United for instance but um it's like it's not that bad it's not like a problem where like you know he's out there dissing the club and there's a lot of like locker room tension that's obvious uh we of course like you know we heard about some blow up between him and Aurier uh last week I think it was so there there is something going on there but at least like you know the there haven't been any huge revelations about massive fights or personnel clashes as of yet maybe they're happening we just haven't heard it but um I think even despite that, like there's something he's, his tactics have just grown stale and there's overly dependent on, as we've said, Kane and uh Hyungman's son, just pulling the rabbit out of the hat. And when those two aren't firing, or if one of them is injured, uh, then Spurs seem to like be at a lack uh, for ideas for creativity. I, I, I would assume that you enjoy saying that as an Arsenal fan, Justin, uh, just I love it. Pouncing. Pouncing yeah. on Spurs, but but uh, Manny, um, you you've had Mourinho on your team twice, um, and he's won trophies at Chelsea. But for some reason, he's finding a very difficult time right now. Um, can you? It, like it has to be the players, right? Like like I, I can't I can't figure out why Mourinho is doing so bad and can't even win a, a small trophy. Yeah, that's a really great point. And, you know, it's funny as, as Justin was just speaking to kind of uh, everywhere Mourinho has played all the different teams, you know, um, there always comes a point on each of the teams that he's managed where he starts losing control of the dressing room with the players, where he starts making comments that are controversial, um, you know, and all these things just start adding up and, you know, the media is not going to do him any justice, right? You know, like they know what they're going to get out of him. So they're just going to ask him point blank the questions that they want because they know that he's going to respond in a manner that is just going to stir up the pot even more. And to Mourinho's detriment is kind of what you see is what you get. You know, when things are going well, things are going really well. But when things start to fall down, they start falling downhill very quickly. And I think that's what we're starting to see with Spurs. Um, there's no questions that, um, you know, he wanted to get like the players that they got in uh, at the beginning of the transfer window. He actually vouched for most of those players, you know, um, he's not going to always get everything that he wants, but no club that any manager realistically gets all of their targets. Right. Like that just doesn't happen. And I think the, the problem with him is he's not using the players that they have. I mean, we saw Bale come on for like 15 minutes, but he did in those 15 minutes more than I think Spurs had done in the, like the past, like half an hour, you know, 45 minutes. Um, I don't know how hard it is. I don't know if it's just a matter of pride. Um, I do know that I want to say like, you know, the whole dressing room talk, I think he's, you're starting to see uh, bits and pieces of that. And there may be truth to it because early on in the week, um, Bale actually came out and said to the reporters, I'm healthy. I'm good to go. I'm good to play to the, to which then Mourinho responded like, Oh, I only play players that are healthy. If you're not playing, then that means that there's something wrong. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of back and forth and um, you know, it's, 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 
he still has the expertise. He still has uh, just that, um, that experience of like actually rallying the troops together. But to Justin's point, without a, a healthy Harry Kane, without a human son, like, you know, I don't think anybody else on that team is, can carry the, the weight of that team. And, um, you know, I'll be interested to see what the documentary uh, All or Nothing Spurs oh, yeah. next next season because you know it's gonna be one for the books so yep i uh fun fact i started to watch that documentary last week so um and my love for Mourinho even grew stronger because i i really like Mourinho. Uh, i know people don't like him but uh, yeah for the sake of entertainment i hope uh he stays around the entire season (laughs) what did you what did you two think of uh, manny alluded to gareth bale coming on uh but also deli ali came on too which is also yeah. surprised to me what do you think of their cameos i mean obviously it didn't change the scoreline at all but <laughs> i was just surprised to see Mourinho turn to them before all the because of all the aforementioned reasons that there there seems to be some dislike or distrust that he has for those players i i mean i i Mourinho needed he needed the win he needed the response from them i i think he didn't care about normally he usually cares about you know if he wants to put somebody out he puts somebody out but it, it's clear that he wanted to win that game and, um, and he wanted to at least score one goal and that would hopefully uh, open up other goals. But um, is that, do you think that speaks to some level of desperation on his of part? Of course. I mean, of course. I mean, they just lost to Everton, uh, which we're going to talk about right now, but they just lost to Everton in the FA Cup. And that's a cup that I thought maybe, you know, he could put, all his eggs in that basket and at least win a trophy so that his legacy of always winning a trophy in the club will, will stay. But it doesn't look like that's going to stay. But I do think the way Liverpool handled, sorry, the way Tottenham handled uh, Pochettino, where they would stop with him for a while, um, they're probably going to stick with Mourinho unless something really, really bad goes on. Um, but I, I do think him bringing Dele Ali and, and Bill does show some kind of desperation for sure uh, and doesn't look good. Uh, but speaking about Everton, um, so Everton lost to Fulham. Um, and the reason why we're talking about this is because uh, they, it seemed like they kind of sacrificed uh, DCL for, you know, in the FA Cup. Uh, and then now they've lost in the, in, in the Everton game. Uh, now they've lo- lost in the EPL against Fulham. So uh, uh, was this a wise choice to play, uh, you know, uh, basically a full team? I mean, keep in mind, Everton, the only trophy they could really have gone for is is the FA Cup, um, you know, was, was this a good idea? And, and is this going to come back and hunt them in the EPL? Yeah, so I think Everton and Spurs were kind of in the same boat, right, at the moment. Um, when you look at them in the, in the Premier League table, you know, they pretty much sit a few spots away from each other, a few points away. Um, Everton do have the upper hand, though, because they have a few games in hand. Um, but as far as a legitimate shot at a trophy, I think the FA Cup is it. And I don't think anybody expected the game that played out uh, to play out as it did with, you know, going into uh, Everton going up on, 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 uh, on Tottenham and then Tottenham and Harry Kane, you know, and Son doing what they do and kind of bringing the team back into a mix to go to additional time. Um, Everton ended up winning five, four, but uh, again, it, took a toll on, I think, what is the most important player on their squad, which is DCL. Um, you know, he accounts for, I think it's something like 75% of their goals uh, and assists 
uh, this season. Um, when you have a player that has such an impact on a team like that, um, especially on Everton, which they don't actually have a viable backup. Um, I know they just bought Josh King thinking of, you know, of making sure that they rest DCL, but um, it couldn't have come at a worse time for them. And we saw that because they have a double header this week. Um, they just lost to Fulham. Uh, Ancelotti actually came out and said like DCL has got a hamstring issue. So he's definitely not playing the first game. And I highly doubt he's going to be uh, healthy enough to play against uh, Manchester City uh, in two days time. And even if he's healthy, I don't know if they want to risk him because again, we're only a little past the halfway mark of the season. I don't know if you want to risk, like I said, your most important player and um, to add, you know, insult to injury, they also got James Rodriguez back who ended up getting hurt in the Fulham game as well. So now they could potentially be without, you know, two of their uh, main players. Um, I, you know, it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what lineup they put up uh, against City on Wednesday. Yeah, it's, that's very, yeah, that's a very good point. Um, and that, I feel bad for Ancelotti. Uh, but let's, let's quickly talk about another very shocking result. Uh, and that was the United and West Brom game uh, ended in, in a draw. Uh, Justin, is this the end? Is this it? Like, are we just going to crown City the champions already? Like, without even, like, do we even need to play the EPL anymore is what I'm, I'm trying to ask. Yeah, we could save everybody a lot of trouble. Um, you know, it's COVID. These players must be sick of living in the bubble. Like, let them go back to their families. Uh, let's pack it in and just give the crown to Man City. Um, no, obviously not. But, like, I, I mean, we we felt pretty secure i think Come all around on. saying that man city was going to win the league after <laughs> last week's results this yeah, week just okay. reinforced it mm-hmm. um yeah i mean uh, like this result was not terribly surprising i don't think manchester united has been well, a pretty mercurial team i think West pretty Brom, all, all season west brom on 19 on the table well, rest bomb are terrible yeah but like it's big yeah. sam it's big sam time uh big sammy's on the scene like this is what he does he just grinds out like these like these kind of crappy results every so often and he does he tries to he usually does just enough to rescue whatever side he takes charge of he hasn't done that yet this time around but uh you know he got the result uh, a draw with man united this past weekend so maybe he's he's figured out what he needs to do with like this totally inadequate stock of players to to get some to get some these sorts of results against the big sides Yep. Uh, and I want to, I just want to say like very quickly, like West Brom has actually drawn with the likes of Manchester City, that's Manchester true. United, Chelsea. And uh, I think there's like one other top six team that they drew with or beat. So the fact that they can go to toe to toe with some of these, you know, teams um, speaks volumes to them. But then again, just the results, you know, outside of those, those fixtures, uh, they'd be in, in a much better place, I think, if they would have gotten a, a Big Sam a long time ago. Um, you know, he's never been relegated. A Big Sam team has never been relegated. And uh, they have a long way yeah. to go. So we'll see if he can pull it off or if this might be the year that he finally, Big Sam, ends up in the championship. I mean, 12, he's got 12 points to make up and 14 games to do it 
Uh, although that being said, Newcastle's looking kind of dire as of late. So we'll see. But he's got a yeah, he's got a job ahead of him. Yes, it's not looking pretty for West Brom right now. And actually, I'll make a bold decision that I believe that Big Sam is going to get relegated unless he gets fired before the season ends. Uh, but let's talk about uh, a player that's on fire right now in the EPL, and it's not Fernandez. Uh, Gundogan. Gundogan has completely filled in the shoes for, I would say, com- comfortably for Kevin De Bruyne. And this is actually looking very good for them because the Champions League is now back. Um, Justin, do you have any remarks on how Gundogan is able to even just inspire the team to score all these goals and, and, and make sure that they don't miss KDB? Yeah, I don't really have an explanation. I guess it just comes down to positioning. With So I don't think he's filling the role of De Bruyne. Like De Bruyne is a creator. Gundogan is suddenly an all-star finisher uh, he gets in the right places and like has a shooting boot apparently which i had no idea about until the past couple months so i think it's maybe it's more so that like with de bruyne being out pep has changed formations changed like where he wants his players to be um throughout the game so i think maybe it's a, a positional situation where instead of like uh replacing de bruyne they're just finding a new way a workaround while de bruyne is out so when De Bruyne comes back, I'll actually be interested to see how that changes Gundogan's um, output on the scoring sheet. But right now he's like, he's crazy. 10 goals this season. He was the uh, player of the month, I think for January. And he scored another two uh, against Spurs this weekend. So he's on fire. Get him on your fantasy team if you don't already. Oh yeah, you bet I do have him. Um, but I think that's all we have for the... EPL, um, let's move on to, personally, Milan's favorite league or cup, uh, which is the Champions League, because we've won seven trophies. Um, I, I, I just have to add that there. Um, but, yeah, so the way we're going to do this, there are four games coming up this week. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll talk about each of them. And then, obviously, we have to talk about the prediction. And because this is the way we're going to uh, hold ourselves accountable, because if the results don't show up the way we said it was going to show up, then we're going to shame each other on the podcast. Uh, The first game that we're going to start with is the RB Leipzig versus Liverpool game. And remember, this game actually is not taking place in Germany because of of the lockdown rules. Um, I actually don't know where they're taking place. Does anyone know where they're taking place? I think this one is in Budapest, I believe. Yeah. Oh, okay. As As is the Manchester City tie next week. Oh, okay. Well, that's very interesting to see. Uh, But given Liverpool's, you know, recent form, uh, do you think RB Leipzig can actually pull an upset here? Yeah. um, I think RB Leipzig are in a better place right now. They have a better form. Um, I don't see how, as I said, I I don't see how Liverpool with the issues that they have with the additional injuries, I, I just don't see them pulling out a win. I could see them certainly playing for a draw, um, but I have to just give it to uh, RB Leipzig. I, th- I think they're actually gonna, gonna come away from this fixture as winners when it's all said and done over the, the two legs. Interesting, interesting. Uh, don't, give up, don't give away your scoreline yet. Uh, but Justin, uh, do you expect 
are you do you agree with Manny? Do you expect uh, uh, you know a surprise or just a routine thing for Liverpool to win this game? Um, I don't expect it to be routine, but I'm actually going to go with Liverpool winning or at least drawing this week and then winning the result back in back in England. I think Liverpool is going to advance from this from this fixture. Despite their domestic troubles, I think Klopp and Liverpool have done really well in Europe in recent memory, both last season and then um, uh, in the group stage. I think they're going to do good enough to get past uh, Leipzig because I think also if you look at Leipzig's results, they are they're like one of the best teams defensively in the Bundesliga, but when they play like top sides, they have a tendency, they, they play very offensive. They play very high intensity football. And when they play these top tier sides like Bayern or um, Manchester United, they played in the group stage. They have a tendency to uh, concede a lot of goals. So I, I think this would be a great chance for Klopp and Liverpool to kind of find their footing again and capitalize on one or two fast breaks with their front three that they have and get back into good form with some, some high scoring and hopefully very exciting results for neutrals versus Leipzig and then ultimately advance into the uh, round of eight. Interesting. Uh, I, I, I personally think like Leipzig are going to win this just because I think uh, Leipzig are, are on a very good momentum. Like for example, on Friday, they played Augsburg and they didn't even play Pemacano and they only considered one goal. Um, so I, I think Leipzig's, Leipzig's got this and I think they will, they will actually shock uh, Liverpool. And it, honestly, it's not going to be a shock because Liverpool has not been playing very well. Right. But let's put our money where our mouth is and let's actually put a scoreline to this. Um, Justin, I'm going to start with you. What do you think will be the scoreline from RB Leipzig and Liverpool? First leg. From the first leg, I'm going to put it at 2-2. Two, 2-2. Two. Two, two. I think right. being playing like Leipzig, basically not getting a home fixture and having to have that extra travel going to Hungary to play this game, I think that may be a factor as well. So yet another thing that you can chalk up to very, the weirdness of the COVID season. Very good, very good angle you, you went in there. Uh, uh, Manny, uh, what, what is you. your scoreline? Yeah, I, I actually, I think, like I said, um, they're going to play Liverpool will probably play for the draw. Um, so I'm going with 2-2 as well. Um, Interesting. But again, you know, I, I feel like this either has the making of like being a really interesting uh, high scoring match or it's going to be one of those things where we just get like a nil-nil. So <laughs> yeah, I'm still going. I'm hoping for the former and I'm hoping for 2-2 just because, um, you know, you always want to see uh, the second leg be more exciting you know, team's still in it in the second leg because anything can happen, so. Yep. Well, I'm going for uh, a 2-1 to Leipzig um, only because I think Liverpool's defense is a shocker right now, so it'll be easy for them to score. And um, Liverpool's offense has been hot and cold. So, you know, one week they do well, the other week they don't. So, and I don't think they're going to do well uh, this Saturday because of, uh, you know, ment mental issues. Um, so, but hey, we are tracking this, so we're going to visit this uh, next week and, and make fun of ourselves.
Uh, the next game I want to discuss here is the probably the the game of the week, uh, the Barcelona versus uh, PSG. Uh, and there's a lot of issues here. Um, you know, uh, it looks like Neymar is going to miss probably both legs, definitely the, this first leg. Um, and we have, you know, Barcelona that's been, that's missed a lot of players like Pique, who's just coming back. Uh, they don't have Ansel Fati. So like they, they're having problems. Um, so this is a very interesting one. Uh, and for me, it's actually hard to predict. Um, what are your thoughts uh, on this game? Um, anyone? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, I believe there's like a stat out there where uh, Barcelona have beaten PSG every single time or something like that. Oh, man. Um, so <laughs> you factor that in. It's either they be in PSG or every French team, like no French team has ever been in Barcelona, I think, is the is stat. Um, and factor in with the uncertainty that Neymar may not even be playing in the first leg. Um, I, I've seen, you know, taking into consideration Pochettino still relatively new. He's only had, you know, like less than two months uh, at the job as well. Um, and Barca are starting, like I've seen them play. They they look like they're starting to get into a bit of a rhythm, um, you know, so. Yeah, I'll I don't trust them though. Barcelona, I don't trust them, which is why I'm predicting a high score, a high scoring match. Uh, ultimately, it'll be Barca 3-2 in this oh. first half. Okay. Hey, Justin, what are your thoughts? So Neymar, as we know, uh, suffered an injury last week. I think also in like a domestic cup competition, right? So like yeah, we were talking about, yeah, which is very stupid, honestly. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about uh, Calvert-Lewin, but like, I mean, come on, you're going to risk Neymar yeah. In, yeah. in this competition. But, and you know, I digress. But the point is he's not going to be there. He's, he's not going to be available for selection as far as we know uh, against Barcelona, against his old uh, his old pal Messi. So um, I actually think, and I'm going to, you know, this is going to be my hot take for the episode oh. that this might be to the advantage of PSG and Pochettino. <laughs> Pochettino likes play. Listen to me, hear me out, hear me out. Uh, Pochettino likes to play high intensity. He likes to play like pressing football. Uh, he likes a, a, a directness to his attack. And I think without Neymar that actually forces PSG to play in such a style and to lean a little bit more on players like Mbappe and, you know, just like have that directness to the attack and have that pressure all over the field. And this Barcelona side has been susceptible to that this season. I think they, they don't like the pressure. There's still like communication issues. It seems like, although they've been improving uh, over the past few weeks. So all that being said, I'm going to say this first leg is going to end one, one in a draw. And we could talk about this more next week and we'll see how wrong I was or if like I'm a, I'm an Oracle, but uh, I think PSG is going to break that streak that Manny was just alluding to. And I think PSG is going to advance out of this round. You know, they're no. also, Justin, you know, they're also out. They don't have Di Maria either. He's also out injured. Um, you want to I'm keep a, that? Their prediction? Uh, I I went too bold, so I can't back out now. So yeah, I'm actually gonna double down. <laughs> I like it. I like that. And you know what? To be to be fair, uh, Barcelona has, has you know defense has been their issue this season, and you can tell even even scoring has been yes. an issue. But but they they've scored and and they're scoring now. But their defense is still a problem, and that's why they're losing to teams like I think they lost to Granada like a few weeks ago or something. Um, so 
I, I would not be surprised. Yes, they, they don't have Di Maria, they don't have Neymar, but I wouldn't be surprised. But with that said, my prediction is Barcelona is going to actually win this game, especially because it's at Nou Camp. I think this, this is going to actually end up 2-1. Um, and, and the, you know, my reasons are, like, you don't have... You know, you don't have Di Maria, you don't have Neymar, but they do have Icardi, they have Mbappe and, and Moisa Ken. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. But, but my prediction is 2-1. And I think Messi, Messi is finally waking up. Now, I think he scored something like seven or five goals since the beginning of the season, uh, of, of the, since January. So I think he's like waking back up and, and he's, you know, scoring again. So I think it, it may just come down to a, a Barcelona brilliance uh, this week. All right, the next thing we want to talk about is Sevilla Dortmund. I mean, this is a shocker. For me. This is not hard for me to predict because of, of the state of Dortmund. Um, for those who are not following the Bundesliga, I think Bayern are currently, I think Dortmund are currently like sixth or something, which is really, it's so weird what, what they're going through. But essentially, uh, they keep conceding. They keep conceding goals. Sevilla has now strengthened. They have one of my favorite players ever, Papu Gomez. Uh, in the side now, he's finding his feet well. He's he's gelling with the team. Um, so I don't see how this is not going to be a loss for Dortmund, and I don't see where the goals are going to come from. I don't, you know, I mean, yes, we have we have uh, uh, Haaland, uh, but I think Jaden Sancho is is you know is back and forth. Like one week is very good, the other week is like not good. So so I think I think it depends on on the on the Sancho that we get. But I don't see how this is not going to be a loss for Dortmund because of the way Sevilla has now come back. They're not playing very well, you know, in the beginning of the season, they, were, they weren't too, so good, but now they've also reinforced with, with Papa Gomez. So, so I think, I think it's going to end 3-0, actually. I think Sevilla is going to actually beat Dortmund and shut them down where they, they won't be able to score. And I think Haaland and, and Sancho are going to be shut down also. So I, I, I would say a 3-0 um, for this tie. Uh, wow. uh, Justin, we're going to go to you and, and see what you think. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go flip it. I'm going to, be on the opposite side of this one because I Dortmund is high risk, high reward. What the hell, Justin? Yeah, what, yeah. What's going on? <laughs> uh, so I just, I like everything you, you say, Bori. Then I just like want to take the opposite position. Just it's my gut reaction. Uh, and so that on this one, I think that the high risk, high reward playing style that Dortmund plays, um, I'm. I think Holland is. He's just such a star, and I think they did. You know, they powered through their group stage by playing like that, that, you know, they didn't have the top tier opposition aside from Lazio in their group, but they did um, score so many goals that it didn't make a difference what their defensive woes were. I think that they are going to rely on that offensive output from Holland, from uh, Sancho there, and they're going to be able to uh, beat Sevilla. So I actually have this one going one to uh, one to two with Dortmund winning. And again, Dortmund, moving on to the round of eight very very interesting uh Matt, manny what what's your what's your take here well what do you think is yeah. gonna happen uh you know i don't often say this but i am in agreement with you bori uh i think that sevilla just given their form um i think that they're going to uh beat dormant um sevilla is actually i think they're on an eight or nine game winning streak um, the last team that beat them was uh, Atletico Madrid. Um, you know, um, they even beat Barcelona in one of the uh, cups that they that they play as well. Rakitic uh, scored, remember? Rakitic scored, right? Uh, against Barcelona. Yeah. Against Barcelona. Um, 
the addition of Papu Gomez. Um, I want to say that Papu is eligible to play um, in the Champions League. So that's, uh, you know, additional depth um, for the squad there. Um, they're just in great form right now. Um, you know, third in La Liga as well. Uh, no major injuries. Um, unlike Dortmund, who I know that they've uh, they've struggled with injuries this season. Um, so I'm going to go Sevilla over Dortmund uh, 2-0. Okay. You know what will be interesting? If Justin is right, I mean, it would just be a slap to both of our faces. And it would be a very interesting episode next week. Well, there's only one of two ways, right? You can either predict a win, a loss, or a draw. So, <laughs> we'll see. But much like Dortmund, I'm going high risk, high reward on my picks. <laughs> he can't awesome. take it back. Remember, he can't take it back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Finally, we have the Porto and Juventus game. Um, obviously, you know how I feel about this. I I will speak with my with my heart and my emotion, um, not with my head. Um, this one, I think Porto is actually going to, uh, uh, I think it's actually going to end up in a draw um, just because I think um, Juve just came off a loss against Napoli. So they may be a little defensive and they really want this. So, and I'm not saying Porto doesn't want to win this, but Porto probably doesn't think they're going to win the Champions League. So they're probably like, you know what? We don't care. We're just going to play regular. But Juventus are, are coming in with a like, okay, we, we gotta win this. We gotta win this for Ronaldo. Uh, this is our, our our you know, it looks like we're not gonna win Serie A. So I, I think this is gonna end up a draw. And I think at the end of, of it, I think Portugal's actually gonna win the whole thing. Uh, but again, it's my emotion speaking and not my head. So I'm gonna give this back to you, right. Manny, and and l- let me know what's going on here. What, win the leg, right? You mean no, I'm talking about this game, not the league. Come on. Oh. Come on. Wow. I mean, that, that's still bold. Um, no yeah. bias there in that prediction, Bori? There's no – well, so so if you really think about it, I, I think Porto I, – I have not watched them this season, but I think they're a well-organized team. And the, prob- the thing with Juve is once they come up with a well-organized team where the midfield is shut down, um, you know, really, if they don't play – if Juve doesn't play Demiral and the leagues together, they're – they're going, they're going to, I think they're going to concede goals. And the reason why is because Perlo keeps thinking he needs to play Bonucci and needs to play Chiellini because they have experience. But he doesn't realize that the young stars are the ones that are actually going to take it to the, you know, they're going to win them trophies if they want to, uh, or if, they, if they want to win trophies because Demiral and Dele together are like power, power center backs. And I, and I don't know why people don't realize this, but Again, it's Italy. They always go with the tried and trust, you know, the the tried and trusted. So, it, it, I, yeah, I, I think that's what's going to end up, you know, getting them the loss in, in this tie. Interesting. Um, well, I don't have Porto winning um, either of the legs, actually. Um, Juventus just, they're too stacked. They, they, they have too many players that are also experienced um, in Champions League. You can never discount Ronaldo, right? I mean, he's been misfiring here and there, but he starts turning it up, you know, uh, the closer we get to the finals and Champions League. The the longer the competition runs, I think the more he he, he heats up, right? So uh, additionally, I, Porto, I know that we have uh, a lot of players that are aging on that squad as well uh, to the back line. I mean, Pepe is on that. On, on Porto team, right? Um, if you're talking about veterans, I'm going to use that 
counter argument yours as far as like what you think is going to be the downfall for Juventus and having players that are experienced and older. I think that's actually the downside of that's going to be the downside of Porto. I think there's just too much speed, um, too much finesse um, on the Juventus um, attackers. I'm thinking about, you know, just Ronaldo, uh, Quadrado, Dybala, all of those players that they have. I think it's going to be too much for that Porto back line. Um, so I'm seeing a, I actually don't have them scoring, um, I believe. Or actually, you know what? I'm, I'm switching this up. I'm going to go. Oh, are you changing me? <laughs> well, I had given a consolation goal to Porto. Uh, <laughs> but uh, now <laughs> talking through it, I just don't see them um, scoring at all. So I'm going to go 2-0 to Juve. To be fair, uh, Porto has drawn their last four games, only one one game in the last five games. So, Manny, you may be right, but I went high risk, high reward, just like Justin in this one. Again, talking with my emotions. Uh, Justin, are you going to go high risk, high reward for this one? No, this is going to be my safe pick. Um, I'll let you... <laughs> I'll let you take the glory on this one, Bori, if, if you get this one right. But uh, I'm with Manny. I think uh, Juventus wins this 2-0 in this uh, first leg. And then they, they'll they win the round of 16 matchup against Porto pretty easily. You know, that being said, like, this is traditionally Ronaldo's competition, as we all know. Um, but last season was the one where, you know, they had to shock defeat in the first round of the knockout stage. Uh, against Lyon so there's that to take into account so maybe you're onto something boring uh, although I don't think so I don't agree on this one. Oh, I guess I'm all alone uh, now I see how it feels to be Arsenal um, all, you know, down outside the top six and all alone um, I'm just kidding uh, Justin. Um, no much much like Arsenal no matter how wrong or problematic uh, your predictions or your play is like you'll always be uh, close to number one in my heart all right well thanks guys so we're gonna check this next week and see who is correct always and i feel like we should probably attach this to a prize or or some kind of you know trophy or something what what do we think yeah i like that idea maybe maybe you send me a gift card if i'm right i think we should, i think we should do that oh i think the punishment may be something like you know the losers have to wear the your winners uh kit oh god yeah i agree i agree with that one i would love to see both of you in london red actually you know what i may have spoken out of turn i may have spoken to you and didn't think this through but uh i'm going high risk high reward which seems to be the theme so (laughs) (laughs) that's very interesting all right uh well enough of that let's talk about one of my favorite segments uh the yellow card red card coin batmany uh, basically, the segment is just to come up with a, you know, give a yellow card or a red card to a situation that happened last week um, or maybe even a few weeks ago. Um, so, Manny, I'm going to start with you. What What is your yellow card and your red card for this week? Yeah, so uh, switching it up here, um, I'm actually going to go um, with the yellow card, red card segment that's not going to go to the same club or team this this week. Uh, my yellow card is actually for uh, Klopp, and um, I just want to say, you know, obviously uh, condolences to him and his family. He obviously went through a tough week this week, 
uh, with the passing of his mother and, uh, you know, due to COVID restrictions, he was not able to um, see her, right? Um, and that's, that, tragic. Actually, that's, that's tragic. the sad reality of the, of the times we're living in. Um, Vinyl Card is mostly based on his uh, post-match uh, comments that he made um, after the loss against Leicester City, where he pretty much conceded uh, the title and said that, you know, it's, it's pretty much done. Um, I only say that because uh, I'm not sure if that was the right move at this moment in time, seeing as, you know, the, 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 the poor run of form that Liverpool's on. Um, but, you know, the impact overall of those comments on the players, the organization, um, you know, is it too soon to uh, make such comments? You know, we obviously have seen, uh, Justin mentioned, I think there's what, 14 uh, fixtures still left to be played. Um, you know, anything can happen. You know, obviously Man City are uh, ahead right now. Um, and, um, but again, you know, every club's been impacted by injuries and COVID. And, you know, uh, this one thing that we've seen in this season, it's, it's not like any other season we've seen in the past. Uh, you know, we've seen player uh, teams that have been in first place, um, you know, uh, Southampton, Chelsea, Liverpool, uh, Man United were up in first at one point, you know, all these different clubs, anything can happen. So I'm not sure if necessarily that was the right thing to do at this moment in time. Um, and then um, my red card. So um, watching Chelsea play, um, it's actually since Tuchel took over, this is a fact, no team has scored against uh, Chelsea since Tuchel took over, except for Antonio Rudiger. Yes, you heard that right. Our center back, Antonio Rudiger, is the only player to score against Chelsea uh, since Tuchel took over. So my red card is for him because that's an embarrassing thing to do, but yeah. it's a stat that sticks out, you know, when, um, when every clean sheet um, counts and, you know, you have one that you could have easily attained, but your center back goes and scores a goal against you in the most comedic of fashion. So if nobody's seen it, just Google it and you'll see why this is my red card. All right. Well, thank you, Manny. Uh, Justin, what is your yellow card and red card? My yellow card this week is going to go to um, grudges in Italy, I suppose is what it should be. So we've seen, we saw a few weeks ago, the clash between Lukaku and Ibrahimovic, um, who famously, uh, as we know, they were teammates back in, I think it was like 2017, 2018, then when they're both at Manchester United. So former teammates now pretty uh, fierce rivals and a lot of bad blood between them, as we saw during that match. Uh, and then this past week, we saw in the Coppa Italia, um, a couple of other former colleagues, which were uh, Antonio Conte and the president of Juventus, uh, Andrea Agnelli, uh, who there was a lot of bad blood on the sidelines during their match between Juventus and Inter where Conte uh, eventually flipped the bird, gave a, a yep. think, dual middle fingers up towards Andrea Agnelli, uh, who was actually his former boss back when Conte was the manager for Juventus. And I think Conte's apologized since then. And I think there were some pretty uh, sour remarks coming back the other way from 
the Juventus bench and from Agnelli himself. So uh, my yellow card is going to go to this, just these, these grudges between former colleagues, former teammates, um, former boss and employees that are spilling over uh, uh, onto the pitch. And then my red card is going to go to, on a more serious note, to the death threats against Mike Dean. So we've already talked about the toxicity of social media, and this is a, another outgrowth of that, not due to racism, but due to just overheated rhetoric and just some appalling threats against Mike Dean and uh, his family. Mike Dean, of course, is a, a Premier League referee. He made a controversial a red card decision last weekend. And in the wake of that, we've seen, unfortunately, a lot of people online uh, directing abuse and, as I said, actual death threats towards Mike Dean. And that eventually led to Mike Dean requesting the Premier League take him off of the, the slate of this past weekend's games, uh, asking them not to assign him to any matches. So um, we can say whatever we want about a poor decision made by a referee, but when it crosses over into actual threats of physical harm, then you've, you've crossed a line and that's, it's disgusting. And that's deserving of a red card. And of course, bans from um, attendance to matches and from social media, whenever, whenever those people can be caught. Yep. Those are good points. Um, no one should be getting death threats for, for making, even if they make a mistake in their job. I mean, we can, we can suspend them. We can kick them out for a few games, but we should not be, you know, send them death threats. I mean, which is, I mean, it's tough, tough thing to solve, uh, especially with social media. Uh, but I'm going to give my yellow card and red card. I had so many yellow cards to pick from, uh, but I do want to just give it to, um, the Dortmund team. Uh, Dortmund has been playing very woefully. Um, their their form is so bad, um, where like they always stray in games and then they come back and, and tie games. Like this past weekend, for example. Um, that's why I think they're not going to do well in this Champions League. And, and if they're not careful, they may not even qualify for the Champions League next season. Um, no, so I'm giving a yellow card to them. They'll turn it around on Wednesday. Yo, oh, you think, oh, wow, yeah, yeah, <laughs> giving your high-risk reward, okay. Uh, oh, by the way, funny funny story, um, uh, Manny, Manny's computer had to update, so he, he's not on the podcast anymore, so it's just me and Justin. Um, but my red card uh, is to Marco Rosa, uh, and whoever announced or whoever decided and thought that announcing that him leaving Gladbach this, at the end of the, of the season to go to Dortmund, uh, announcing that during the season when there are Champions League games to play, where there the season is not even is not over yet. I think I think that person or that group of people that decided to announce that deserve a red card. I mean, this is just a distraction. This is going to be a problem because, for example, if Gladbach uh, are on a losing form or something, then people are going to point back at, oh, is it because you're leaving to Dortmund um, that that you're doing this? And you know what's going to be funny? What's going to be funny is probably Gladbach qualifies for the Champions League and Dortmund doesn't qualify for the Champions League next season, which would be very funny that he, he's switching to a team that doesn't go to, a, um, to the Champions League. So I, I think whoever decided to announce that or give the order to announce that deserves a red card. I think that should be something that should not be announced. And we saw this in the, in the World Cup with Spain, for example, where the, um, the Spanish 
uh, coach was announced as a Real Madrid coach, and and this you know the Spanish FA decided to remove Lopetegui. So um, definitely no no. I, I think this is not a good uh, professional way to handle that announcement. Uh, but let's take it on to my favorite part of the episode, which is the random fact of the episode. And this one just ties into the Sevilla Dortmund game because my favorite player, Papa Gomez, apparently has a podcast about music, art, culture, and football, where he actually interviews, uh, I think, high-profile people. I think he's interviewed a few uh, past football stars and coaches. Uh, the podcast is called Libre de Humo. And it's, it's amazing to just see uh, soccer players, not just in their profession, but also doing something outside of their profession, just like we are, you know, but, you know, this is not a profession, but we love the game and this is why we do it. Uh, but yeah, I was just surprised to hear that uh, he has a podcast. Uh, unfortunately, I don't speak Spanish, but it's in Spanish. Um, I would hope that maybe there will be some kind of transcription service in the future that I could use to listen to that podcast. But uh, yeah, if you speak Spanish I'll, I'll, uh, and understand Spanish, I would definitely recommend that you take a listen to that podcast. Um, Justin, are you going to be listening to the podcast? Um, I too do not speak Spanish. So oh, man. Um, that maybe might impede my ability to really appreciate what Papu has to say. It would be, yeah, it would be awesome if, uh, yeah, if we understood, and I'm sure there are probably some um, services that we could probably use to listen, but um, yeah, yeah. Um, exciting things. Um, I'm very excited for the week, uh, but I think that's all we have for this week's episode of the fourth official soccer podcast. Uh, as usual, we are on most podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We are also on Twitter. You can find us on at 4THOfficialSP, where we also post the episode links to all platforms. Thanks, Justin and Manny, for joining, and our listeners will see you next time. Bye-bye.